I just love it when God just comes out of the blue and just says, I want you to talk about this. And he's done that on a number of times. There have been times when I have been, oh God, what do you want me to say? What, Pastor Bill, you've been there. Brother Verlin, you've been there. Lord, what do you want me to talk about? And we pray and we look and we pray and we study and we spend hours just combing through the Word of God and we're thinking, Lord, what is it? And then sometimes he just comes down and says, this is it. And that was one of these times. Um, what I want to talk about this morning is not what I expected. Not what I expected. How many of you can remember when you got something that you were just not expecting? Sometimes it might be good, bad, or something that just kind of made you scratch your head. I remember when I was about 14 years old, and uh, I played a prank on my mom. My mom drank Diet Pepsi, and I decided one day that I was going to spike her drink with orange juice. Just a little smidgen of orange juice. She took a few sips and she said, something doesn't taste right. I probably would have gotten away with it if I had been able to keep a straight face. <laughs> but I'm like over here just... <clears throat> and... Uh, the flavor of the Diet Pepsi was absolutely not what she expected. Have you ever taken a drink of something and it was something else and you're thinking, whoa. Um, since mom caught me pulling this distasteful prank, she then told me that I had to drink it. And that was definitely not what I expected. <laughs> On a more serious note, sometimes we have things happen to us that we really don't expect. Uh, it can range from a wonderful gift from an unexpected source to a bad medical report. I mean, there's a wide range of things. And I'm here today to remind you that when something then happens that makes you say, this is not what I expected, know that you are a child of God and that He loves you. Sometimes it can be something unexpected that He just wants to bless you with and overwhelm you with. And sometimes it's an attack from the enemy and not what you expected at all. And in either case, one end of the spectrum to the other, God loves you yeah. and Jesus loves you and cares for you. Man. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7, Jesus says this. He says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find... Knock and the door will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if you ask your son, ask, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... Listen to this, church. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets, the golden rule we've heard. Not do unto others before they do to you. It's do to others as you would have them to do unto you. What this passage is really saying is that when you have a need, you must 
not just ask, but persevere, press in, in fervent prayer. We know that God hears us when we pray. How many knows that God hears us when we pray? He absolutely hears us when we pray. And He wants to give His children good gifts. Continued knocking on the door implies that we will not give up just because we haven't received an answer. It means we have to persevere and we have to keep knocking. We have to be serious about our prayer. The situation may absolutely be not what you expected, but many times the answer will not be what you expected either. And I apologize, my notes got out of order. (laughs) Oh, there it is. It's the other page was hiding here. So, God answers prayer with a big picture in mind. We can only see close up and we can see immediately what's around us. But our omniscient Heavenly Father will always come through. Our prayer must be according to His will and His purpose to our lives. When we, when we pray outside of the will of God and outside of His purpose, of course He hears those prayers, but answering those prayers is a completely different thing because if we're praying something that is not within God's will, it's not going to happen. That'd be a great place to say amen. If y'all say amen, I promise it'll help me. Amen? Amen. Thank you. And online you can just type amen. I won't see it until later, but that's all right. I appreciate that. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verse number 1, there's a story here. And I've got, you know, I try to trim these stories down to where I can tell a little bit and not necessarily read a lot of the Bible. I mean, I've, I've gone where I've read chapters out of the Bible in a sermon, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's just so much to these stories that I just don't want to leave anything out. Now, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, I want you to see what she's saying in verse number 3. If only my master would see the prophet... She's telling him who to see, who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. How many know that's going to get your attention? If you've got an incurable disease and somebody says, well, if you'll just go and do this, you'll be cured. He was told to go see the prophet. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, the king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to who? To the king. The girl said, go to the prophet. He went to his king and said what the girl said, and the king says, I'm writing a letter to the king. He didn't say, I'm writing a letter to the prophet, but that's probably what he should have said. To the king of Israel. So Naaman left 
taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. What's he going to do with all that? I'm going to reward somebody should they cure me. I'm going to pay for my medical bill. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you, the king, may cure him of his leprosy. The girl said, Go to the prophet, but Naaman goes to the king. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a crow with me? He's like, he's starting to start something here. And he's like, there is no way. I know that I'm not God. This king was not a righteous king. And he was looking at the natural side of things. The king of Aram was looking at the natural side of things. Naaman was looking at the natural side of things. Going to the king. When the king does something big, people notice. It's just like when our president, it doesn't matter what party you are, whatever, whoever the president is, when the president does something that's big, people notice. Mm -hmm. right. It goes all the way back in history. When something big happens, people notice. When Elisha, verse 8, the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn, torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me so that he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. That is so powerful. I bolded that in my notes. Have this man come to me so that he will know that there's a prophet in Israel. In other words, we're going to let this man know that there is a God. There is one true God that exists and he's going to have an encounter with him. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house, Elisha sent a messenger to him to say, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Seems easy enough, doesn't it? But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not the Albana and uh, Farpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman had to be saying to himself, this is not what I expected. This man has sent me, this man that has sent for me won't even come out. But that's not all. He wants me to go to this muddy, dirty Jordan River and I'm just not going to do it. His answer was there. But he didn't want to really, really get answered. Naaman's servants went to him, verse 13, and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? You see, the problem Naaman had was pride. He wanted an answer to prayer, but on his terms, the way he wanted. But God had another idea. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And get this, 
the last part of this verse, his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Not only did he answer his prayer, but he made him look phenomenal. Talking about the fountain of youth. Imagine when he got back home, people were like, man, you look 30 years younger, however old he was, you know? I mean, can you imagine just having, having skin? I mean, you know, as I get older, I look in the mirror and I see all these wrinkles and some people don't, some people say, well, you don't look, but all they have to do is smile. I look at these pictures that we took at the Grand Canyon. I'm like, man, I look old. <laughs> you know, get these, <laughs> you know, people talk about these, these crow's feet and stuff like that. I mean, not, not to me, they don't, but you know what I'm saying? You know, you look and you see these crow's feet and it reminds me of a line from, uh, from uh, Little House on the Prairie when uh, uh, Mrs. Olson was talking about that. It's like, oh, well, those are laugh lines. And somebody told her, it's like, well, honey, nobody's that happy. Uh, whatever it is. But, you know, we... <laughs> but can you imagine? It's almost like getting a whole makeover. The skin of that of a, his flesh was restored to that of a young boy. So Naaman, verse 15, and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except Israel. So please accept this gift from your servant. That prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. There's some other verses that I could read, but for time's sake I'm not. I want to encourage you to do that. So Naaman never expected to get leprosy to begin with. And he certainly never expected to be healed until he heard there was a man of God who was able. And after his prayer was answered, he was restored to better than before and knew in his heart that there was a God in Israel, that there was one true God. Jesus prepared or purposed to go and travel through Samaria, which most Jews avoided. Going through Samaria was three days closer than going around it. But the Jews had such a disdain for the Samaritans they didn't want to have anything to do with them. They thought of them as dogs. And it goes all the way back to Nehemiah and building the wall. Generations of dislike for the Samaritans. But Jesus needed to go through there. He was tired from the journey and he went to Jacob's well to get a drink. And in John 4, 7... It says, when a Samaritan woman come to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. You see, the woman expected to go to the well and to get water. That was her custom. She didn't expect anything else. But Jesus sought out this woman so he could show her that he was the one way true, the one true way to God, the promised Messiah. Verse 11, 
Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You were right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you are now that you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. I find this amazing. I can just hear this woman thinking, this is not what I expected. I didn't expect somebody to read my mail. The, the term read your mail, it's, it's like, it's in, a, you know, it's in a sealed envelope, but he knew what was inside. She thought, well, you know, this stranger, he doesn't know anything about me. Oh, but wait, he is the Messiah. Sir, the woman said, verse 19, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Notice how she changed the subject. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will see, when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now, has now come when, get this, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father is seeking. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. I want you folks to realize that we all need to know we must be worshipers. He seeks worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I the one speaking to you. I am He. You see, Jesus is the truth. Amen. We worship the Father through the truth of Jesus Christ. This woman did not expect for Jesus to bring up how she lived, but she absolutely did not expect to be face to face with the Messiah who had, who she had no doubt heard about since she was a little girl. Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and, and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, we only heard a little snippet. We don't know what other, else was in the conversation, but it was probably pretty much everything. I, I don't know, but that little part was enough. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. See, the woman, the woman was encountering not what she expected, and the news to the town was absolutely not what they expected either. Can you imagine that day after day, this woman would go to the well. I mean, the town knew about her. They knew how she lived. They knew what kind of a woman she was. Uh, they knew about her history. They knew about her past. But this day was different because Jesus did the unexpected. How many know that Jesus can always do the unexpected? Amen. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans that from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. 
He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, but he and he stayed two days. And, be, and because of his words, many more became believers. Praise the Lord. Then they said to the woman, "We are no longer we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard it for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So Jesus is the Savior of the world. He saves from death and destruction. Just trust Him when life throws the unexpected at you." Acts chapter three, verse number one. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. The lame man who begged every day just to get by, had no reason to think that this day was going to be any different than any other. He expected money just as he had on every other day. This was an ordinary day for him. How many know Jesus can do the unexpected when we least expect it? Verse 4, Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention expecting to get something from them. He's expecting money. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. And he's thinking, well, man, you don't have any money. I need to be looking at something else. But Peter goes on to say, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet and he began to walk, church. He began to walk. Then he went with them. I can just picture this in my mind. Uh, uh, John on one side, Peter on the other, and they got this guy that just won't be still because he's he's walking, he's leaping, he's jumping, and he's praising the Lord. I mean, if you hadn't been able to walk for so many years, can you imagine just what your reaction would be? It just was, oh, well, praise God, I can walk. No, it is, I haven't been able to do this in years, or I haven't ever been able to do this. Can you imagine? When all the people saw him, verse 9, walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Surely this man would tell this story and reflect on how he was lame, but this one day when something happened that was not what I expected, Jesus touched and healed me, and I have been set free. I imagine this is really what he was saying. He can do the same today, church. He can touch you. He can heal you. He can set you free, even if you haven't been expecting it. There are also times when you wonder how long this unwanted and unexpected thing will continue that I have to deal with. You can say, I've asked the Lord. I've sought the Lord. I've knocked. Oh, how I've knocked. But the answer just never seems to come. Just because you may not see the answer does not make him any less God than he is. God is still God regardless of your circumstances. He's still on the throne. He is still sovereign. Amen. He's still God regardless of what happened 
or what hasn't happened. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 6. Paul writes this, Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think of me, think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassing great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And I want you to look at this church. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He says, I've asked the Lord. I've sought Him. I've knocked. Multiple times I have gone to the Lord about this situation. In verse 9 he says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When this condition that Paul describes came, I'm sure it was not what he expected. This man of God who had seen people miraculously healed by the power of Jesus Christ himself now needed a touch. This man of God who, uh, I think I heard somebody preaching on it uh, here a while back where, where uh, he reached into the fire and the snake came out and latched onto him. And he shook it off into the fire and all the natives are like, yep, he's going to die. He's just going to, there's no hope for him. Everybody that gets bit by that snake is like, oh, out. But he didn't because God's hand was upon him. I can imagine that as Paul prayed, he might have said, God, you remember all of these things that you brought me through and, and how miraculously you've touched me and how you've healed me and you've delivered me time and time again. I've seen your power. I've seen your healing on other people. The power of God was so powerful on Paul that people well, people would bring, he would tie napkins, handkerchiefs around his body. They would take those cloths and give it to people. And the contact with that cloth upon people, they were healed after that piece of cloth had been on Paul's body. Can you imagine? But yet, Paul says, Lord, you know, maybe he didn't understand. We can go through things that we don't understand, church. I believe that when Jesus answered with my grace is sufficient for you, this was not what Paul expected. He prayed and he expected God to deliver a healing touch, a powerful re resolution to his situation. But that's not what happened. What, his, what God's answer was not what Paul expected, but something else. He realized that the truth of the word of God and the power from Jesus was more than enough for him to experience, get this, a greater power than ever before. Because he said, when I am weak, then I am strong. He said, because when you're weak, my power in you will make you strong. So it wasn't the power of God coming 
and healing or touching him and delivering him from this thorn in the flesh. But it was the power of God coming to him. And in the weak points, when he was really low, bolstering him up so that he was strong. Whatever has happened in your life that is unexpected, can I tell you that it was not unexpected from God's perspective. Nothing ever takes God by surprise. Nothing ever occurs to God because He's God. How do you get from dealing with the unexpected to overcoming the unexpected? You overcome the unexpected by complete surrender to Jesus Christ. Believing that His Word is true and you can know that you, have, that you can follow it and the Word of God will never lead you in a wrong direction. You must also worship Him as the Scripture told us in spirit and in truth. Be a worshiper of God. Worship Jesus with your life, your attitudes, your actions, and all of your being. Let Jesus come out of your character, out of your, out of your nature. Let him flow through you. You trusted Jesus for salvation. Now trust him in the unexpected times as well. When you think you may know how to solve your situation, you don't. Just leave it up to him. Don't try to solve it yourself without getting his direction. Even when you don't see an answer, don't lose heart. Don't quit or give up. Even at your weakest point. And it's a temptation that has proven very real for many. There are some that have walked in the faith for quite some time. And the enemy of our soul, the devil, comes and he chips away time after time after time after time. And if he can isolate that child of God from being a recipient of fellowship of godly people, have the word of God poured into their lives, if they're neglectful of their prayer closet, they finally can get to the place where they can say, I just don't know if it's worth it. Can I tell you that it is absolutely worth it? Yes. It'll be worth it after all when we see Jesus. These momentary trials that we go through, unexpected situations, come out of left field sometimes like, that is not what I expected. And I tell you, what you can absolutely expect is that any time you call on the name of Jesus, expect him to come down and grab hold of your hand and say, I will help you through this situation. He will do it. When you're at your weakest point, the grace of Jesus Christ is more than enough to carry you through. In your weakest Time, lean into Jesus. Lean into Him. He is strong and He will make you strong as well. 
when you say, this was not what I expected, just pause for a moment and turn your expectation over to Jesus and release them to Him. And He will carry you through. Trust Him. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word today. I thank you, Lord, because when the unexpected happens, that is something that we don't have any idea, just happens, we can trust you. That first and foremost, we have to put you first above everything and everyone else in our lives because you're the most important. And I ask God that you would just come down right now. First and foremost, we must commit our lives completely to you, Jesus. Accepting you for forgiveness of sin. Believing in you and trusting in you. And then we walk with you each and every day for the rest of our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.